Hey, thank you for joining us online today. My name is Steve Polk. I'm executive pastor here at First Baptist. And we love the fact that you're able to, to join with us for this ongoing sermon series as we look at 2 Chronicles chapter 17, A Good Man with a Blind Spot. But before we get into that, uh, if you're seeing this within the first few days of it being released, we want to invite you to our marriage conference on February 10th. Uh, February 10th, 2022, we have Eddie and Don Leopard coming to speak and to share their experiences, encouragement, and some teaching and some laughter about marriage. Uh, Home-based marriage is the name of the event. You can register for that today by texting the word marriage to 803-310-4455. And you'll see that information at the bottom of your screen today. Well, thank you for joining us. We want to get back to our message. Our pastors bring a great series of messages as we go through the King's and uh, continue to look at those today. King Jehoshaphat, good man with a big blind spot. We're going to learn something from him today that we can apply to our lives. So grab your copy of God's Word, Second Chronicles chapter 17. Get your notepad and pen, and uh, let's get ready to engage with what God has to teach us through his Word. So let's pray. God, thank you for today that we have a chance to worship you, that as we gather uh, around your Word, under the teaching of the Word, that we can grow and be changed and our lives will be better because of it. The things that we can learn from Jehoshaphat, uh, from both the way that he lived as a godly king, but also the mistakes that he made because of blind spots. Help us learn from it today uh, and grow from it in Jesus' name. Amen. Have you ever been driving on the interstate and decided to change lanes, and then at the very last second as you were changing lanes to your left, you realized there was a car there you had not seen, you had to jerk back into your lane real quickly? It's because when we drive our automobiles, there are blind spots, and uh, it's been the reason for accidents over the years for a lot of people, and that's why you know new technology has these sensors that let you know when there's a car, a car on your left or on your right, so you won't you won't fall prey to that blind spot, change lanes, and hit another car, causing a serious accident. The truth is, we have blind spots in our automobiles, but we also have blind spots in our lives, in our personality, in our behavior, in the way we deal with people. All of us have blind spots, and uh, it's important that we, as we grow, become more aware of what our blind spots are so we can overcome them. I remember when I was in high school, my uh, sister started dating a young man named Keith, who he's her husband. They've been married more than four decades, had a great marriage. And, and I remember the first time I met Keith, he came to the house, rode his motorcycle to our house, and I think that time hung out with me more than he did my sister. We threw football, and I was washing my car, so he pitched in and helped me. And then uh, some days later, I was talking to my sister, and he said, you know, I tried to connect with your brother, but when, when I was helping him wash his car, he criticized me. The reason is, when it comes to washing a car or anything, else, I'm very methodical. So I don't do big swirls. I'm very methodical. I want to make sure every inch is, you know, is washed and cleaned and nothing's missed. But, uh, but Keith, was he's this. And so there's spots, and I'm sure I said something to him about that. And, and that started me on a journey of realizing that there are certain areas of my life where I'm a little bit of a perfectionist and a lot of things done a certain way. And I have to be careful that uh, I'm not overly critical when people don't do it the way I, I, I would do it necessarily. And, 
and I'm aware of it, but it's a lifelong journey to, to overcome those things. I'm much better, but it's something I still have to be aware of. All of us have blind spots. And, and I think not only in our personality and behavior, we have blind spots spiritually as well. Today, we're going to talk about these blind spots in a message that I've titled, A Really Good Man with a Really Big Blind Spot. We're going to talk about King Jehoshaphat in the book of 2 Chronicles. So go ahead and open your Bible with me to chapter 17. Because these blind spots can create problems for us in relationships with our family, with co-workers, with our boss. They can, uh, they, they can create problems uh, in our spiritual life, in our walk with God. So it's important we look at that. In 2 Chronicles 17, we have the story of King Jehoshaphat. He's a king of the southern kingdom of Judah. He is a good king. He's a godly king. His father before him, Asa, had also been a godly king and a good king. And, and we learn there is a lot of good in King Jehoshaphat. And I want us to look at this really good man who lived in such a way. He's an example for us to follow. And then we're going to see what his blind spot was and the problems it created. But first, let's just look at this really good man, his character, the characteristics that causes the Bible to say he was a godly king who did right in the sight of God. So 2 Chronicles chapter 17, the first thing we see is that he was a good, strong leader. Look at verse 1. Jehoshaphat, his son, this is Asa's son after King Asa dies, became king in his place and made his position over Israel firm. So he very quickly established himself as a leader. Verse 2. He placed troops in all the fortified cities of Judah, put garrisons out there. So, so he, he, he right away strengthened the military and the defenses of the country. When you drop down to verse 5, the Lord established the kingdom in his control and all Judah bought, brought tribute to Jehoshaphat and he, became, and he had great riches and honor. So very early, the scripture summarizes Jehoshaphat by saying he was a strong leader for the government, for the military. He was honored. He was respected. He was a good leader. And God wants us to be good leaders, good husbands, good employees, good employers, good servants. God wants us to be, you know, to, to be a good citizen and live in such a way that people see us uh, in those areas where we have responsibility and they respect us and honor us because we do a good job. Well, that was Jehoshaphat. But he was also faithful to God in chapter 17. Look at verses 3 and 4. The Bible says the Lord was with Jehoshaphat because he followed the example of his father David's earlier days. He was a descendant of King David. And, and like David was a man after God's own heart, Jehoshaphat followed the Lord and, and uh, verse, the end of verse 3, did not seek the Baals, the pagan idols and gods. In verse 4, he sought the God of his father, and he followed his commandments and did not act as Israel did. In other words, he stayed faithful and true to God, didn't worship idols like the northern kingdom of Israel or Samaria did with Ahab, their evil king. And so here's a man of God. And he, 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 so he was a good leader, a strong leader. He was faithful to God. He did not abandon God. He never worshiped idols. And, and he loved God's word. He loved God's truth. Look with me in verses 6 and following. He took great pride 
in the ways of the Lord. And again, he removed the high places and the ashram from Judah. Verse 7, then in the third year, and this is really interesting, in the third year of his reign, he sent his officials, so some government officials, and they are listed there, at the end of verse 7, to teach in the cities of Judah. And with them, the Levites, and he names some of the Levites, and um, and with them, Elishama, and, and some more, the priest at the end of verse 8. Now, I want you to notice what's happening here. He was so proud of God's way and God's word and God's truth that he sent government officials. He sent uh, Levites. He sent priests in verse 9. What did they do? They taught in Judah, having the book of the law of the Lord, the Old Testament books of the law that Moses wrote, with them. And they went throughout all the cities of Judah and taught among the people. What that tells us as that he was so committed to the to the commandments of God, which had been given to the Jewish people through Moses, that he sent these representatives, these officials, priests, and so on, into the cities and villages of Judah to teach people the law of God. Now, you have to remember, this is hundreds of years before Jesus. The, the printing press had not been invented yet. Not everybody, in fact, very, very few people had a copy of the law. But he wanted to get God's word as close to the people as he could, so he sent these officials with a copy of the law to all of these cities, all of these towns, all of these villages in Judah to teach people the word of God. The, the, he loved God's word so much that he wanted to get it as close as he possibly could to the average person. And, and here at First Baptist, that is one of the reasons we have our Bible reading plan where we, we all together as a family of faith are reading the same five chapters of God's word every week. And it's the reason that uh, I record those daily devotions that go live at 5 a.m. every morning for the chapter our church is reading that day, we want to get God's word as close to the people as possible. It's the reason we do our D group ministry the way we do it. So that just like Jehoshaphat did not want everyone to have to come to the temple in Jerusalem to ever hear the word of God, he wanted it closer to them. That's what we want. Listen, I, I don't want everybody to have to depend on listening to me on a Sunday to hear the word of God. God has blessed us with copies of our of the Bible and we have it in our homes and in our hands. And, and so our ministry is designed to get God's word to you as close as possible so you can know the truth of God. That's how Jehoshaphat fell, felt. And that's how we try to do ministry here at First Baptist as well. But there's more to this really good man who set an example for us to follow, a strong leader, a good leader, uh, faithful to God, love the word of God. By the way, do you love God's word? And are you being faithful to God? And are you doing a really good job at the assignment God has given you in life? Jehoshaphat was a good man because he did all those things. What about you? But there's more to this really good man. He had a good reputation. In chapter 17, we read in verse 10, now the dread of the Lord was on all the kingdoms of the land, lands which were around Judah so they did not make war against Jehoshaphat. Now what that means is that the nations surrounding Judah, the, the pagan nations, had such respect for Jehoshaphat because they knew he walked with God and that God was with him. They knew he was a genuine man of God and that respect for God being with Jehoshaphat 
caused them to not risk war with him. He even, even if they did not believe in his God, they respected that he was a man of God and God was with him. You and I should live faithful to God, loving God's word. We should live doing a good job at whatever God's given us to do. We should live in such a way that people look at us, and even if they don't believe what we believe, they respect us because they know God is with us, and we are the real deal. He had a good reputation with those who did not believe the way he believed. Another characteristic of Jehoshaphat that made him a really good man is he genuinely cared about people. Turn over a couple of pages in your Bible to chapter 19. And I want you to notice something here. Chapter 19, starting at verse 5. He, Jehoshaphat, appointed judges in the land and all the fortified cities. So we're talking about the judicial system in Judah, city by city. And he said to the judges, here is his instructions, okay, to these judges. Consider what you are doing. Think about it. Pay attention to what you are doing. For you do not judge for man, but for the Lord who is with you when you render judgment. He said to each and every one of these judges that would work throughout the country of Judah, be careful, pay attention what, to what you're doing, because you're, you're not doing this for man. You're doing this for God. So make sure you, you remember that and you do it the right way. You do it with justice and integrity. And so he goes on, he goes on to tell us, uh, in verse 7, now then, here's more of what Jehoshaphat said to these judges. Now then, let the fear of the Lord, reverence for God, be upon you. Be very careful what you do, for the Lord our God will have no part in unrighteousness or partiality or the taking of a bribe. Wow. This godly good king who loved God's word and was faithful to God, and, and, and was known as a man of God, said to all those involved in the judicial system of that land, treat people right. Treat people who come before your court with fairness and integrity. Don't favor those with money and power. Don't be bribed. You have integrity. You treat people with justice and fairness and righteousness because God is the one for whom you are doing it and God will see what you do. He did that because he cared about God and righteousness, but he cared about his people and he wanted them to be treated right in the judicial system. That's a good man. This is a godly king, a good king who cared about his people. But there's one more characteristic that leads me to call him a really good man, a really good king. And it's this. He was not ashamed. He was never ashamed of his faith in God, his worship of God, and his dependence on God. Turn another page and look in chapter 20 of 2 Chronicles at what we read in verses 3 and 4. Uh, there's this, this coalition of, of army and armies and, and nations that later in his ministry decided we're going to attack Judah. And it was a, a large army. And in verse 3 of chapter 20, Jehoshaphat was afraid and turned his attention to seek the Lord. And he proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. And so Judah gathered together to seek help from the Lord. From all the cities they came. In other words, as they were facing this great enemy, rather than panicking, he turned to God. He asked the nation to turn to God. He asked the nation to fast 
and with him seek God's help. And, and, and the nation comes together and he leads them this powerful prayer and God answers and they win a victory. And after they win the victory, he leads the people back to Jerusalem and they have a public celebration. And you know what that celebration was? A worship service of giving praise and thanks and honor to God. And there are other stories in Chronicles about Jehoshaphat's faith. And I just point this one out to, to just point out to us that this man trusted God and was not ashamed of God, was not ashamed of his faith, was not ashamed to publicly live for the Lord and ask people to pray to God and fast, publicly worship God. He he took his stand publicly. So here's now here. You, some of you are probably thinking, Steve, you said this message is about blind spots, but all you've said so far is that this is a really good man, a really good king, a man of high character, one whose example we, we should follow. And he was, but he had one really big blind spot. And you said, you, you can love God with all your heart. You, you can do so much that is so good. Be genuine and be real and yet have a big blind spot that you either are not aware of or do not want to acknowledge and accept that it is a blind spot or work on. And, and, and that can be true for any of us because blind spots, when they are pointed out to us and we realize they're hurting us and others and we need to deal with them, that can be painful can be hurtful. And so sometimes it's easier just to ignore them, to argue and say, I don't have any, and just go on. And that's a dangerous approach because when you do that, your blind spot continues to get you in wrecks, like you're changing lanes in the interstate. And because you won't look at the blind spot, you hit a car and you cause a horrific accident. Jehoshaphat, this good man, this godly man, this great king who trusted God and loved God had one really big blind spot. All of us have blind spots. But growth, growth means becoming aware of them, addressing them, and growing in those areas. What was Jehoshaphat's blind spot? Now, he was king in the south the kingdom of Judah. Jerusalem was the capital. They had the temple. They had the Levitical priest. He, he had the law of God. He had all of that. But his blind spot was how strongly he still wanted to have a, an alliance, a relationship, a partnership, if you will, with the northern kingdom of Israel or uh, Samaria. And the first king with whom he wanted to have that kind of alliance was Ahab. Ahab was an evil king, a murderer, a thief, worshipped idols, led the nation to worship idols. In fact, every king in the northern kingdom abandoned God and worshipped idols. Jeroboam, their very first king, had golden calves made that they put at local shrines so the people could worship there and not be tempted to go to Jerusalem and they worship those idols. He created a new fake religion to mimic the Judaism of the South. And so the, every king in the North worshiped idols. The country did. Judah 
And Jehoshaphat had the temple. They had the word of God. They had Yahweh, the God of Israel. And, and, and Jehoshaphat was true to that. But he had this overpowering desire to be united with, to be united with, to be in alliance and partnership with the northern kingdom of Israel. And he was told by God through prophets on more than one occasion that his alliance with the north was wrong. It was sinful. It was not what God wanted him to do. But he, in this one area, he was blind to the consequences. And so he ignored the prophets. He, he ignored those God sent to him to point out to him the problem. And his blind spot created problems. So let's, let's look at this, uh, this relationship and, and what all unfolded as a result of it. Uh, turn back a page or two to chapter 18 in 2 Chronicles. And we read in verse 1, now Jehoshaphat he had great riches and honor, and he allied himself by marriage with Ahab. In other words, Ahab, this wicked king who was married to Jezebel, who's one of the most wicked women in the Bible, Jehoshaphat arranged for his son to marry the daughter of Ahab and Jezebel. Think about that. An arranged marriage. That was part of the political alliance that he formed with the north, and he formed the alliance not only with Ahab, but after Ahab died with Ahab's son, and then after that son died, another son of Ahab took, became king in the north, and he formed a, a, an alliance. So, so every king of the north during Jehoshaphat's lifetime, he created a political and military alliance with them, and he also had his son marry Ahab's daughter, a sister of the two next evil kings of the northern kingdom. Look in chapter 18 at verses 2 and 3. Some years later, he, Jehoshaphat, went down to visit Ahab in Samaria. Now, Samaria is north of Jerusalem, but in the Bible, anytime you traveled from Jerusalem, it didn't matter what direction you were going, you went down. Jerusalem is on a hill, and it's the central part of the place in the Jewish faith. So anytime you leave there, you're going down. When you go away, you're going up when you come to. So the Bible says he goes down from Jerusalem, traveling north up to Samaria, and, and, and he's with, with Ahab, and, and he forms that political alliance. And, and it's in this story, and we looked at it last Sunday, where Ahab wanted to attack the nation of Aram, whose capital is Damascus, because years earlier, Aram had captured uh, a, a city that belonged to Israel. And he wanted to go to war with Aram to get that city back. And he said, Joshua, uh, Je Jehoshaphat, we have this new partnership. Will you and your army go with me? And Jehoshaphat asked for a prophet. And the long and short of the story is a man of God, Micaiah, comes and says, don't do it. If you do, you're going to lose the war and Ahab, you will die. But Jehoshaphat, even though he wanted to hear from the man of God, the prophet of God, ignored what the prophet said, went to war with, with Ahab anyway. They lost the battle. Ahab died in the battle. And Jehoshaphat barely escaped with his life back to Jerusalem. And when he gets back to Jerusalem over in chapter 19, if you want to turn a page in your Bible, chapter 19, Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, returned in safety to his house in Jerusalem. Notice verse 2, Jehu, the son of Hanani, the seer, Jehu, a prophet, a seer, went out to meet him, Jehoshaphat, and said to King Jehoshaphat, should you help the wicked and love those who hate the Lord? 
and so bring wrath on yourself from the Lord? Verse 3, but there is some good in you, for you have removed the Asheroth from the land and have set your heart to seek God. Jehu, this prophet, is saying to King Jehoshaphat, there's good in you. You want to seek God. Even before you went into battle, you sought God by asking for a prophet. You seek God, and you got rid of the idols down here in the southern kingdom of Judah, but, but you did wrong in forming this partnership with the northern kingdom and going to war with them, and you're going to bring some of God's wrath on yourself and on us because you are disobeying God in this one area. He was confronted by God's prophet, yet he continued to form these alliances with the kingdom of the north, even though God kept trying to tell him through the prophets, do not do it. It's wrong. It's not what I want for you. It is a sin, but he kept doing it anyway. In chapter 20, Ahab dies and his son Ahaziah becomes king and Jehoshaphat forms an alliance with him. And in chapter 20, verse 35, notice what it says. After this, King Jehoshaphat of Judah allied himself with Ahaziah, Ahab's son, king of Israel. And notice what the Bible says. He acted wickedly in doing so. He acted wickedly in forming this alliance with the northern kingdom. So again and again and again, God kept trying to get his attention, but he would not listen. Continued to form these alliances, and, and he did it for a lot of reasons. One of them was economic, and at the end of verse 35, verse of chapter 20, verses 35 and following, that economic plan is described, and, and, and God makes it clear through the prophet that because he was doing this for economic reasons, and, 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 and it's not what God wanted, God caused his plans to fail. Now, I could go on and on, but here's the point. Jehoshaphat formed political, economic, and military alliances with three evil kings of the north, even though God kept telling him not to. He, 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 he arranged a marriage for his son who would be king after him with Ahab's daughter. Now, in every other way, in Jehoshaphat's life, here is this good man, this godly man, this good leader, this good king who genuinely cared about the people, who loved God's word and wanted to get it as close to the people as he could, who wanted to hear from the prophets of God, who was not ashamed of his faith, who publicly worshiped God and called on the people to trust God and to fast and to seek God. But he had this one blind spot, this one area where he would not listen, where he would not learn, where he would not obey. And he paid for it. You say, how? What was the price he paid? Because Jehoshaphat was a godly king, just like his father Asa. He was a good king who followed God and was devoted to God, just like his father Asa. So the nation of Judah had two godly, good kings in succession. He got rid of the idols and pagan religions and worked hard to turn the hearts of the people toward God. But then... Jehoshaphat dies, and his son Jehoram becomes king in his place. And in chapter 21 of 1 Chronicles, starting at verse 1, then Jehoshaphat slept with his fathers and was buried. The end of verse 1, Jehoram, his son, became king in his place. Now notice the next 
few verses. He had brothers, the sons of Jehoshaphat, and they are listed. And in verse 3, their father, Jehoshaphat, when he died, gave many gifts of silver and gold and shared his wealth with his children and gave them land. But he gave the kingship to his firstborn son, Jehoram. And in verse 4, Jehoram, when he had taken over the kingdom of his father and made himself secure, he killed all his brothers with a sword, and some of the rulers of Israel also. He got rid of anyone who would be a threat to him as king. Killed his brothers. Wicked. Evil. And we also read in verse 6 that he, Jehoram, Jehoshaphat's son, walked in the way of the kings of Israel, the north, Ahab and Jeroboam. Not one king in the north worshiped God. Not one king in the north was godly and good. Every king in the north worshiped idols and pagan religions. And Jehoram, Jehoshaphat's son, did just like those wicked kings. He walked in the way of the kings of Israel just as the house of Ahab did, for Ahab's daughter was his wife, and he did evil in the sight of the Lord. Look at verse 11 of chapter 1. Not only did he do evil, but he made high places in the mountains of Judah. He created places for the people to worship idols and pagan gods. His dad and grandfather had gotten rid of all that. He brought it all back. And at the end of verse 11, caused the inhabitants of Jerusalem to play the harlot and led Judah astray, led the people astray by turning their hearts toward pagan gods and idols and false religions. Do you get the picture? Jehoshaphat's son, Jehoram, was an evil king like Ahab and all the kings of the north turned his back on God and worshiped idols. He was nothing like his father, Jehoshaphat, nothing like his grandfather, Asa. He did, he, he undid, listen to this, he undid all the good his father and grandfather had accomplished And at the end of this chapter, when Jehoram dies, he's been such an evil king, no one was sad that he died. And when his son became king after him, guess what? His son acted just like his dad, just like Jehoram. Now, I'm not saying that every time a child turns his or her back on God, it's the parent's fault. That is not true. Kids choose. And some grow up and just choose to not believe, to walk away from God, to sin, to rebel. And it's not because of anything mom or dad did. But sometimes our blind spots can create problems in our lives, and that includes with our children. This this man, Jehoshaphat, this this good man, this godly man, this great king who loved God and loved his word, but had this one blind spot. He, he, what, what, what did Jehoshaphat think was going to happen when he arranged for his son to marry the daughter of this wicked, evil king and queen Ahab and Jezebel of the north? What did he think was going to happen in the life of his son when he arranged that marriage? What did he think would happen 
when he continued to form political, economic, and military alliances with this evil nation of the north, even though God's prophets kept telling them not to, but he did it anyway. What did he think was going to happen? When he formed these alliances with these kings in this country in the north who turned their back on God and worshipped idols and had false religions. What, what, did he, what did Jehoshaphat think would happen when he, when he listened to the prophets and the word of God in every area of his life, but in this one significant area where he was blind, he refused to hear God and do what God was at. What, what did he think was going to happen? And when he was doing these things, what was the message he was sending to his children? What was the message he sent to his son, Jehoram? Did, it, did, did this behavior make Jehoshaphat look inconsistent or even hypocritical in the eyes of his son? I think it did. I think it did. See, all of us can have blind spots. Me, you, all of us. And our children often see them more clearly than we do. And if there's, there, there are blind spots that, uh, that's affecting how you treat people or how you deal with life's issues, kids see it. And it may just have a negative impact on them spiritually. What can you do? Well, assume you have blind spots. And then be a good listener. Maybe ask people closest to you who you know love you to share with you blind spots in your life. And when they do, be a good listener. Don't punish the messenger. Don't debate. Don't argue. Because they'll shut down and not tell you. Be a good listener. Ask people. Listen. Don't punish them when they tell you. can be hard to hear. can be painful to hear. Ask yourself, what am I afraid to know about me? What do I not want to believe about me? Maybe it's pointing toward a blind spot and you just don't want to acknowledge that it's there because it is painful. But I tell you something, when you are healed of something, there's not only health, there's happiness. There's growth and growth is life changing. So I'm saying to those of you today who you love God, you, you really do. Don't be afraid to let God use people to point out your blind spot so you can overcome it because if you don't, it might do more damage in the lives of your children than you ever imagined. Ask God to help you. Ask God to forgive you and maybe even own it and apologize to your spouse, to your children, to your co-workers, to whomever God directs you to apologize to. We all have blind spots. Let's not, that, let's not use that as an excuse to not deal with them. I'll be praying that God uses this message to help you. God bless you. I'll see you next Sunday.